0: This episode is brought to you by Nexus Law Group. For those seeking positive career change, Nexus Law Group offers senior lawyers the freedom of sole practice with all of the support and infrastructure you need so that you can focus on what you do best practicing law. Contact Nexus to find out how you can take the next step towards a more rewarding legal career. Find out more on the Join Us page at nexuslawyers.com.au. You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back. You're listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens, and today I'm joined by another Lucy, Lucy Percy, who is the principal at Head & Heart Estate Planning. Lucy and I met a couple of years ago before she started her firm, or maybe she had She was just about to start. She was in the planning stages anyway. And at that time, we both had newborn babies and we would talk late into the evening about her business plans and life as new mothers. For Lucy, it was her third child and for me, my second. So there was all sorts of fun going on during the day. And that was the time that we found to chat via messenger or phone about business and life. And in the two years since then, Lucy has gone on to build her business, Head & Heart Estate Planning, into a really well-established and innovative law firm who offers a really unique approach to estate planning. Lucy has personal experience with grief after losing her own mum. And she's very open about this in her on her blog, on her website and in her social media. And I know that she draws on that experience in the way that she practices in this area now. I really, really admire her openness about it. And I think that at least my impression is that that really makes it easy to connect with her because you can tell so easily that she's really coming from a place of sincerity in the work that she does. And she goes very deep with her clients to encourage them to focus on some of the more personal aspects of grief and loss and has a really holistic approach to estate planning, which we talk about in this interview. We also talk about Lucy's new course that she has developed to give really legal information to people about estate planning. And you'll hear that doing that, that legal education piece is also really important to her in the work that she does. And the last kind of theme of this interview is that we have a little talk about the reality of building a business and also caring for a family at the same time, which, and you'll hear me reflect on this when I talk to Lucy somewhat. Ironically, given my other podcast is The Juggle, which is all about career and family life, I haven't really spoken about this topic on the Doing Law Differently podcast much. And it is a topic that's really important and one that comes up very often in a lot of the online groups that I'm on. So we take the opportunity to talk a bit about that. And Lucy gives us a really realistic perspective about the realities of growing a business and also being very present with her young children at the same time. So that is a bit about the interview that's coming up. I am at the moment looking for guests for the next season of the Doing Law Differently podcast. So if you have an interesting perspective on new law or if you know someone who's doing law differently and you want me to pick their brains or dig a little bit deeper with them, then please let me know. I'd love to hear your recommendations and I would also love you to volunteer yourselves. So get in touch with me. You can message me on LinkedIn or email me lucy at lucydickens.com.au. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please hit subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. It really helps other people to find out about the show. Now let's hit play on this episode. It's Lucy Percy on the Doing Law Differently podcast. Are you a lawyer who needs CPD? I've teamed up with Law CPD to make that task easier for you. Law CPD provide premium CPD for Australian lawyers and they offer so much more than just another webinar. Law CPD's courses are online, on-demand, interactive learning. Law CPD are offering Doing Law Differently listeners $25 off of their first purchase using the code DLD25. There are over 100 courses across all competency areas, so visit lawcpd.com.au to find your next CPD course and make sure you use the code DLD25 for your $25 off. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lucy. It's weird. We're both Lucy and I'm not used to saying Lucy so often. So this will be fun. (laughs) I know. Now we connected about two years ago. Well, you were in the very early stages of starting your business back then. And we used to speak late into the evening when we both had young babies who are now almost two. But as well as watching young baby grow, I've also been able to watch your business grow over the last couple of years. And I think it's been a really interesting journey and I've loved watching it grow and unfold and seeing all the different directions that you've taken it. So for the benefit of our listeners, tell us about your business now. Um, Just describe it for us as a kind of a general introduction. Perfect. So my business is called Head and Heart Estate Planning. As the name suggests, I practice
1: in wells and estate planning. And I suppose I I'm happy to say that I market to one very particular type of client, although I'll work with a variation, but the client I work with is basically, I feel like I'm my client avatar. Um, it's young families generally with children in primary school age uh, or thereabouts or even younger, and they're primarily concerned or can see that there's a lot of value in getting the documents right but, you know, that should be a given. I think the real value is in getting people to see that the documents are needed and also focusing on the non-legal aspect as well. So the promise that I make to my clients is that I can deliver a pathway to a loving and secure future for their children, no matter what the future holds. And, you know, I can talk about what the loving aspect is and the secure aspect are, but you know that's what I hope to deliver. And I really feel
0: like I've set an outcome and I achieve it with
1: every client, which is fantastic. I love hearing you
0: talk about your business. I feel like it's really heartwarming the way that you approach this area of the law and the way that you talk about it, and even your name, the business name. Do tell us about the loving and secure. Tell us what are those two aspects and what do they involve for you? Thank you. I suppose the loving is
1: the heart and the secure is the head. You know, not that I designed it that way, but it it has that nice synchronicity. The security is helping people to see that they need a financial cushion for their loved ones. And for most of us, that is going to involve some form of insurance coming into an estate um, or, you know, being paid and managed if you have an accident or illness. So that's the security. We need there to be enough coming into the estate or enough money there. The goal is obviously to be self-insured, but at this stage of life, most of us have a, have a mix of insurance and our own equity. And then the loving aspect of it is that we can have this financial cushion and we can provide it to the surviving spouse. But if we don't let the children know how we're preserving it and protecting it for them as well, that it's really hard for the surviving spouse or partner and children to have that loving relationship. And so I really feel that, you know, that Brene Brown saying clear is kind, let's, those people have the freedom. They know the framework that they're operating in. They know the rules that have been agreed to. And it's all, you know, generally, this is talking about testamentary trust wells. And we can say to the spouse, you have this financial cushion, you have this amount of control over it. And then children, we can point to it and say, that is going to be protected. If your parent remarries, repartners, that's going to be there for you at the end of the day. And I think it does. It gives them that freedom to have that relationship and to both feel secure and loving towards each other and not having to second guess, is mum or dad going to blow it? Is, you know, what's happening with that money? And so I think that when I contemplate what my greatest wish for my family would be if I wasn't there, it's that my husband's relationship with the children would be as it is today. But if that does happen, if something happens to a parent, I think there's a bit of a natural inbuilt conflict between the children and their surviving partner or spouse. And I think that, you know, the documents that we can create can really give a framework for that tension to be managed or even eradicated.
0: Yeah, I know one of the things that's really big in your practice, and maybe this ties into the loving aspect, is this letter of wishes, or I mean, I'll let you describe it because I know you have quite a unique approach there. But I really like this aspect of your business and I practice in the same practice area as you and I know a lot of other lawyers who work in this area as well and very few of them have this as a focus in their business, and in fact, I would say, well, I don't. In fact, it's probably fairer to say I don't know any other lawyer who has this in a focus as a focus in their business in the same way that you do. And often it's more of a side note or an afterthought, or you know, you might like to write this down. It's got nothing to do with me because there's no legality behind it. So you know, go do that yourself. I'm not really interested in that. Tell us about your approach. I suppose
1: there's two sort of things that I can help clients do, and the first is the letter of wishes, and I remember. Earlier in my career, I was like, what does the letter of wishes look like? I just want to see one. And now, you know, maybe people listening to this podcast will be like, what's in her letter of wishes? But the whole point is that it's bespoke for your family and your circumstances. But we obviously can give some templates and guides and things. It is a letter that is to your executors and trustees. And it says, this is the legal framework in the will. This letter isn't meant to change any of that but here's the flavour of how I want you to make those decisions and especially around distribution or, you know, raising children. And then if it's appropriate, we can also do a separate letter to the guardians of the children. So I'll talk about the guardians letter first. I say that is all of your family IP. So everything that you know about your children, pop it in there. What would help ease that transition for them? And so I do have some suggested headings and I've built up quite a good precedent bank, I suppose, after talking with different families. And then we want to say to the trustees if there's two separate letters, refer to my letter to the guardians or here's a copy of it. All those things that I talked about as being priorities for raising my children, they're reasonable distributions. Even if you don't have a testamentary trust, all those wills have you know for the education, maintenance well-being of my children. read that letter. That's the flavor. I want you to be guided by that when you're making distribution decisions. So just as a couple of really basic examples that are really simple but significant to the families who have them, you know, I say there's a little heading travel. If they're a family who are interstate, and I'm thinking of Perth especially, clients who have families in Perth or overseas overseas. It is a reasonable distribution decision to pay for a trip overseas to see the grandparents once every two years or to pay for the grandparents' travel to see my children. This is the stuff that people care about. When we're giving you instructions for our will, know the guardianship's not binding. But you know what? Just please promise me that my children are going to get to see my parents or my sister or in my personal one, I've put if any of my siblings or Nick's siblings are going on a fancy overseas holiday to Disney or whatever take my kids, use that money, pay for them.
0: A common one that I see is buy my kids a car, especially where there are older children who we've bought them their first car and we want to make sure the younger ones are treated in the same way. I'm getting goosebumps talking about this stuff. God, oh, it's so... <laughs> Practical, sort of, yeah. It's so personal, isn't it? And it's, this is the stuff that lawyers avoid because it is, it does make you feel like that and you think, oh God, what would happen to my kids if I was in this situation? And so we avoid it.
1: And I suppose sometimes I think of 90% of my work is actually not doing the will or whatever. It's actually convincing the person to come in the door. And whether that be my door or any other lawyer's door, when I focus on my Instagram or social media, I just always think that that's my, maybe that's my true work is actually convincing people that this is important and it's not too big. You know, the problem's not too big. It can be dealt with and you should deal with it.
0: How do you do that then? What do you think works in your practice area to convince people? Because bear in mind, we're talking about being proactive. This area of law, or at least at least estate planning is proactive. And a lot of people's interaction with the law is reactive. They only come and see lawyers when they think they really have to or if they're responding to something. So what's worked in your experience?
1: I'll say what I don't do, and maybe I did do in the first couple of months and tested it out. Obviously, fear-based marketing does not work. So the concepts like you are, if you go to my earlier post, someone reshared one the other day and I said, you are negligent if you don't. And I thought I would never say that again. So the fear-based approach doesn't help. I had the best social media help last year and they really helped me find a voice that resonated with my clients. The messaging is all natural. It is all me. It is not hard to talk about. They are all my personal beliefs. And I think that was the great starting point. What really resonates with clients is the case studies. So not lecturing to them, but just saying, this is what happened to this family. This is what happened to that family. And they will see themselves in that situation. I don't have a big audience, but I shared one the other day about a family, the husband was terminally ill, left money on trust and it was saved 62 times and it was shared something like 50 times. And I was like, wow, this is the stuff. If just telling those stories and people are like, that could be me, that's what motivates them to send an email, get in touch um, or talk to their own partner about it.
0: It's interesting. We were talking at this firm about a strategy for our business, our estate planning business. We were talking about the similar thing, case studies and stories and where would they come from? And we realised we're a team of, at that time, we were a team of four. Just within the four of us, there were so many stories that could have been relevant to our clients' personal stories that if we were willing to share, or even if we were willing to share in an anonymous way, would have been the cut through to exactly like you say, people can recognize themselves in the stories. And so they're definitely there if you you look for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the stories are there. And a client who I spoke to this morning, I said to her, the way you have described it, do I have your permission to obviously not share your story, but- she said something that I was like, that's going to really resonate with people. Can I please share your story in a really de-identified way and not straight after you've met with me in case you've told friends that you are meeting with me and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, just, I mean, obviously our clients, they're everywhere. Everyone experiences loss and death. So the stories are everywhere.
0: Yeah. One of the things I'm really interested to talk to you about is your course, Future Proof Your Family, your estate planning course. This is exciting. I think courses are part of the new approach in law. I think we're starting to see them more, but still not really that many. And I think they're a really interesting way of providing legal information, in some cases services, I guess, depending on what you're doing. So tell us about your course.
1: Yeah, my course has been in conception for a couple of years I always had an idea that I would combine a video of you know my information with a question and that I'd have this online well and it would be who do you want to be your executor and then a video of me that's not how it's ended up and I'm pleased for that and it does still have scope for that I suppose but the whole idea is that my first conference with clients is usually 90 minutes long it's extremely repetitive which I don't mind but it was really just easy to be able to take all that information and break it up into little lessons and just record it. And then I can share it much more easily. And so, yeah, that is the course is literally all the things that I would tell you if you met with me for that first, first time. Yeah.
0: So do you use it with your new clients? Are they required to complete the course before they engage you now? Yeah, so
1: I do have three packages and one of them is called a guided DIY. Mm-hmm. And so my course is hosted on Kajabi. And after every single lesson, there is an assessment. And the first assessment is, did you understand, you know, the concept we discussed? Yes or no? Second one is do you have any questions for your lawyer? And I they can take a print out of this assessment and take it to any lawyer and yeah. work with them. And so it doesn't have to be me. And then the third question is if you are working with me. Who would be your executor or what gift would you like to make? So I can take instructions as I go. So yes, if you purchase that package, there is the requirement that you complete the course. Um, I can see if people have completed it or not. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to meet with you for your document review meeting until I can see you've watched the videos. So, mm. but the other two services, so there's that and then two others, and it's not a requirement, but it is an optional inclusion if you would like to watch the course. I think the real value for those clients is not so much in them being able to provide instructions to me straight away. It's going to let them have the conversation they need to have with their partner to either get in the door and convince them to see a lawyer or just start talking about the concepts, the decisions they need to make.
0: Yeah. And also it means when they do come and see you, they're so much more well-informed. And even if they need to spend time talking to you about the concepts, they've got that basic understanding. And and exactly as you just said, they've had it and talk about it.
1: You hit the nail on the head. This is what I say. You know, I did present my course to a group of financial planners and accountants and lawyers. And I said, the way that it brings value to your clients is that instead of spending an hour and a half on the legal education, what's a will, what's an executor, what's a power of attorney, they can't do that and then deep dive with you in the one meeting. So if they have all that information and they can go, actually there's two parts to our matter that are going to be really specific, we can spend 50% of our time together strategizing those and really talking about the characters in your family and your fears and it frees up that time for a good quality conversation. You don't pay me my hourly rate for me to explain to you what a will is. You pay me my hourly rate so that I can talk very deeply and specifically about your family, your wishes, how to get the outcome you want. I wanted to
0: ask you about what platform you built it on. You've just mentioned you used Kajabi. I've loved it. I didn't
1: really investigate too much else. Yeah, I just found it really intuitive to use and build. Um, I had used it as a client or as a customer member. Tara Luki's course is on Kajabi and that's fantastic and she was a really great support to me. And also there's a psychologist in Brisbane called Dr. Justin Coulson and he has a family membership, you know, for raising kids type thing and that's hosted on Kajabi too. So I was familiar with it from a user perspective. Yeah, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I knew Tara had used it and Rachel Hempling, who I've interviewed on this podcast, she's used it for her course as well. So I've heard only good things about Kajabi and it looks Uh, Having not used the back end, I have seen it though. It does look really user-friendly from your perspective in terms of building the course. It doesn't look like there's too much technology to learn. Literally, it is create
1: the artwork and drag and drop your videos in. It was so simple. My husband did build the sales page website and checkout and integrated the email and all that sort of thing. But um, I think anyone can nut that stuff out Mm. with respect to (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> or you can yeah. Or they can hire their web developer or whatever. They can it might hire be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, what feedback have you had from on the course?
1: Well, I want to say only positive. I think the feedback from practitioners and peers has been mix of, wow, that's such a great idea, innovative, and a little bit of caution. Like, aren't you worried that people are going to use your course to do a kit will? And I just say, if you listen to the course, there is no way that the client will be able to fill out a will kit. It's not designed that way. But also the other thing that I say is, Karen Finch put me in touch with Jenny Pakula from who's the in charge of innovation in Victoria and I haven't met with her yet but the encouragement that I got was that we are supported to be innovative as practitioners that the complaints against practitioners and we need more accessible price points and information for this sort of product.
0: Definitely I've interviewed Jenny on this podcast a couple of episodes ago 68 I think it was and She, pretty much exactly what you say, she is very, very supportive of helping legal practitioners in her jurisdiction to understand the regulations and realise, and she says in her interview with me, that a lot of the barriers that people think are in place are not actually there, they're just perceived, this distinction between information and advice, which is what comes to mind for me with your course, and when you say, you know, are we worried about people going and preparing their own will, well, you're not giving them advice in the course, right, you're giving them information,
1: Absolutely. No advice. And we also can't control what everybody does. And I just it doesn't worry me.
0: <laughs> no, I get the feeling that if someone listened to your course and they went and prepared a decent will that cared for their, their kids and did what all the things a will is an estate plan is supposed to do. And they did that and they didn't use you. I feel like you would be quite happy about that because someone else has got their affairs in order. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It truly has been designed not as a funnel for me. It is a standalone product. I do not mind if you do not use me. Um, And as you know, with my business, Lucy, my model isn't to scale and bring on a team. I just can't work with everyone. And I love the idea of sharing education on scale. I have given something and now that it's produced, it takes nothing away from what I know. It doesn't cost me any time. You know, it's a true... It's just such a wonderful way to share it. It is one perfect way for me to give without losing anything.
0: And it's an area that's really important to you. It matters to you personally, doesn't it? Yeah. You just touched on your business model and one of the things I wanted to ask you, which is I was thinking about this as I was thinking to ask you this question. And it's interesting that I don't talk about this more often given how actively I've been speaking about this in other areas, but that's about how you have managed your business and your family. You know, I have the Juggle podcast, which has over 100 episodes talking about this exact thing, yet I don't know if I've ever really spoken about it on the Doing Law Differently podcast because I'm so focused on the business model. But you just said, you know, you don't want to grow a huge business. You don't necessarily want to employ staff. You're happy with the business as it is working with a small number of clients achieving these goals. And you started this business when you had a newborn baby, your third child. So it's, it was a number one. You also had two others who you were taking care of. What's your advice around that, around managing a legal practice and a family and building both of those things together?
1: Amazing. I haven't thought about it. I think that
0: I have
1: been really clear from the start that I just want to need it to be me for the immediate short term. I know that when I was an employed lawyer, I didn't have any experience managing other staff. And so that is something that I haven't had to do. And I don't particularly feel like learning and developing that skill while I'm also, you know, my kids are really little and I just think that's where all my energy goes. It doesn't take me much energy to do my work, but I feel like, and you know, I know you have had so much experience in your career, Lucy, and you know, is it correct that I think that the managing the team bit looks like where it would take a lot of my energy?
0: Yeah, I think managing people is probably the most time consuming part of my job. And it's rewarding and it's also stressful. Yeah, definitely. But I can see there are advantages and disadvantages, aren't there? People different people have different goals with their with their business. But I guess the reason why I, I chose to ask you this question was because I know it's really common for Women in particular to reconsider their career at about the time they have a baby, whether it's number one or two or three or four or however many and many children they have. And many think about going out on their own or starting their own business at about that time, um, which is what you did. And so I thought you might have some reflections on making that decision at that time. I mean, maybe not. My reflections would be, and I did
1: go into it with eyes wide open, my husband had had his own business so I and I had had a sale business, non-law related, and so I feel like I truly understood what I was doing and the commitments it would take. My reflections for other people are don't underestimate the amount of work that will need to go into creating your brand, identity and culture and values, and then marketing that. I just think that we can't underestimate the importance of working with only ideal clients, and then the amount of work that needs to be done to let them know you exist and um, get them in the door. So sometimes when I hear about other people starting a firm and all the Facebook groups like, do it, do it, do it. Yes. But if you contribute a wage that you are absolutely relying on, just be really realistic about swapping that for being self-employed. And don't underestimate the amount of work that would need to be done. And I feel like I have built my business on the back of just long hours, actually, which I know is not what we're meant to say, but it has just been a lot of weekend work and evening work. And so for anyone who is considering it, just to be aware that you know everyone can give you encouragement, but you can't rely on good wishes and goodwill to start a business, especially not if you're relying on the wage that you that you need to replace. So um, I'm very encouraging, but I do also want people
0: to be cautious. Is that a bad thing to say maybe? No, I don't think it's a bad thing to say at all. I think it's a good reality check. I think one of the things when people start a business at whatever, whatever stage of life it might be is... And I mean, I talk about this a lot in my book, actually. Lawyers are taught the practice of law and we're not taught the skills we need to run a business. And that hits a lot of people and they don't realize that until, you know, often sometimes a few years down the track. And the most common feedback I've had from my book is, wow, I never thought about it that way. I never thought that I was running a business and that a lot of this business advice applies to me as a lawyer as well as to any other business that there might be out there. And that I guess that's similar to what you've said.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember when my husband had his business and we both read the e-myth yes.
0: and we were like, ah, oh, and
1: it just hit home. And so I feel like I really did have all of that business stuff. We as a team had down pat. Yeah. And I think that did mean we could hit the ground running. All right. And so there was no learning curve there. And that I think was very lucky. And the other advice I would give is, and you know, you and I have spoken a lot about our children. My middle child, Grace, was really unwell when she was born. And I did go back to work as an employed solicitor when she was about six months old. And she, it didn't work, she was too unwell for daycare. And so I did, I went back on mat leave till she was about 14 months old. And so I'd just be cautious that if anybody is planning on starting a business or I just always think meet your baby, wait and see what they're like. Like, you know, it is a luxury to be able to have a baby and a second baby being the business. Sometimes our children just, it doesn't happen that way. And maybe being an employed solicitor is the right thing as it was at that time for me with that child.
0: Sticking with the advice theme and taking a slightly different angle, the question I always like to finish with on this podcast is what advice would you give to someone who wants to do law differently?
1: I think just being so deeply self-aware of what really motivates you and then you can authentically generate ideas that are in line with that. I just think if you are so, I want to say in love with figuring out what makes you tick, what gives you pleasure, what gives you purpose. I just think the rest will fall in place because we are all so unique that if we are starting with ourselves first and then everything flows from that, every piece of law is going to be different because we're all different people.
0: And you see that with your business and with your social media. I didn't know when you, when you had your social media and you engaged someone, you engaged a consultant to help you with it. I didn't know that that wasn't you. And I remember saying to you sometime later, your social media is amazing. You're doing such a good job. And it was you. As far as I was concerned, that was your voice. And I see that and I see your personality coming through in your business. And yes, we're talking about an area of law that is a difficult conversation, but You're still able to personalize that. It's a very human area of law anyway, but you're able to make it personal and holistic. Mm, Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. I've really enjoyed talking to you and interviewing you on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Lucy.
1: My pleasure.
0: that's all for today's episode of the doing law differently podcast thank you so much for listening if you want to do law differently and you're looking for some guidance and inspiration to help you along the way then get your hands on my book it's time to do law differently how to reshape your firm and regain your life you can get it on my website lucydickens.com.au forward slash book or on amazon or booktopia where you'll also find the ebook versions too Don't forget to leave a rating and review if you enjoy the podcast and be sure to tell your friends and let other people know too. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.